Welcome to the third and final message in this series we have entitled Tomorrowland. Thank you so much for joining us online as we come down the final stretch of this season that has kept us apart physically. We really can't wait to see you all again and and give you a social distance appropriate high five. As as awkward as this time has been, I think when we gather in person again, it will be just as awkward when when all you huggers are going to see people that you can't hug. Now, let's be honest, I don't think that that's really going to be an issue for me. (laughs) I am really excited for the message that we have to share with you. That's right, Pastor Corey and myself are tag team preaching this message. Get ready. Here we go. So the goal of this series has been to help us step into the unknown and understand that God can take you through any doorway, any circumstance, any difficulty, and produce in you greater strength and develop your gifts. We must remind ourselves that our unknown is not unknown to God, and that we will find our footing and foundation in the unknown when we identify ourselves in Jesus Christ. We are children of God, and he cares for us today, and he will care for us tomorrow. Now, This doesn't change the fact that walking into the future, especially a future that is so hazy and full of unknowns, is is easy. It is full of anxiety and worry. Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 12 that anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Of course, we, we know that. We've experienced the heaviness of worry and experienced the joy felt when when we receive good news. But how do we walk into tomorrow? into that unknown, and experience joy and not anxiety. Fortunately, for you and I, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Philippi that addresses just that. In the conclusion of his letter, we, we get to a, a lot of quotes that, that we hang on to. Philippians 4.4 was one that I learned growing up in song form. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again. Sorry, sorry. I did it again, breaking into song. Good for the soul, but not so good for your ears. Uh, Paul follows that up with uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, that which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So in this message, we're going to dig into the conclusion of Paul's letter and discover how we can overcome the anxiety of tomorrow and live with joy in the unknown. Chapter 4, Philippians begins, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. How fitting is that? I love this. Let, Let me just pause right here and let you guys know how much we long to see you. It has been so rewarding to see how you guys have responded to the circumstances that have been placed upon us but I just really want to see you, and and not through a screen. You guys really do bring us joy, and it is the honor of my life to serve with you and to pastor this amazing church. 
And God is doing some great things through each one of you. Let me encourage you to stand firm in Jesus Christ. Continue to grow in him and be equipped by him. Paul then places, after that, a challenge to the, to the church. He says, I urge you, Euodia, and I urge you, Syntyche, to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help those women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement, also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Apparently, there were two women, uh, two women leaders in the church that had some type of disagreement, and Paul was encouraging them to get beyond their dispute, and the reason he gives them is because they have something more important to focus on. Here, here's what you need to know and, and understand. Every tomorrow has a who. There, there is someone in the unknown that is going to cause you anxiety. Every tomorrow has a who. Everyone has a who. I have a who. You have a who. If you don't have a who, you are probably the who. It's, it's the coworker that makes everything into a drama. It, it could be your, the child that makes everything difficult. It, it may be the boss that breathes down your neck. It could be the parent that never stops nagging. It could be the guy on Facebook that you don't really know, but somehow he's your Facebook friend that loves to jump in on your post just to disagree with you. Every tomorrow will have a who. And Paul was encouraging them to get beyond the who and move on to the what. Here's a moment where I want to be a pastor if you'll let me. Over the next few weeks, as we move through these phases of restarting, there are going to be decisions that will be made that you disagree with. I want to challenge you that we not get focused on the areas where we disagree, but instead focus on the bigger picture. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to reflect his glory. And the darker the world is, the brighter we will shine. Every tomorrow has a who. And every tomorrow has a why. Yet the why questions of life, they're, they're inevitable. Why, why did this happen? Why did this sickness take place? Why, why did they do this to me? Why, why did they have to die? We'll never really get the answers to these questions. And even if we do, It'll just cause us to ask more questions. This is the stage every toddler goes through. Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why is the baby in mommy's belly? <laughs> Have fun with that one. No matter how many times we try to answer or pretend we answer those questions, it just leads to another one. What tends to happen is that there, these why questions we have tend to frustrate us and aggravate us. We get frustrated with God, and if we're not careful, we'll get It'll make us angry at God. We can come to the conclusion that because we can't understand, then it must be God's fault. Unfortunately, this can cause us to separate from him, and it just leads to greater anxiety, and it steals our joy. There is one thing, uh, one more thing that every tomorrow has. Every tomorrow has a worry. In every unknown, there are things that are going to weigh on us. There are big things that cause us to worry. A study that I read that was done before all this coronavirus began to be identified, it's labeled that all of our top fears can be categorized into really three areas. Our health, whether it is our health or someone close to us. Economics, will we be able to provide for ourselves and our family? World events such as terrorism, 
Or how about a, a worldwide pandemic? But there are also small things that consume us. Do you know that there are over 500 identified phobias? Some of them make no sense and are really hard to pr pronounce, like uh, listophobia, yeah. It's a, it's a fear of tornadoes and hurricanes. That makes sense. There are others like pagodophia, pagophobia, yeah, which is uh, the fear of ice or frost. I'm not sure why we should be fearful of it, but someone is. There are others that just shouldn't exist, like albutobia, which is the fear of bathing, cleaning, or washing. I learned early on in our marriage that my wife has an extreme fear of spiders, arachnophobia. And I'll never forget getting a phone call at work from my panicked wife that was to inform me that I needed to come home immediately because there was a spider in the bathroom so she couldn't get ready. So a few weeks ago, I took upon myself to help her overcome this fear. And I bought a bag of these incredibly lifelike-looking plastic spiders. I then placed them around our home so that she would come across them randomly. I was just trying to be a, you know, a loving husband. As you can imagine, she didn't enjoy my efforts as much as I did. So when I traveled to Israel a few months ago, she found the opportunity to turn the tables on me and hid these spiders throughout my luggage. And let me tell you, it's not a good feeling when you are in a foreign country and you think your luggage has been overtaken by spiders. Oh, we can laugh at other people's fears and worries, but the truth is, worry weighs us down. The root word for worry is to strangle. And there are things in the unknown that we feel like it has its hands around our necks. It feels like it can't breathe and it controls our lives. Here's the big thing. Worry doesn't change a thing. That's why Jesus tells us, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Every tomorrow has a who, it has a why, and it will have a worry. The reality is that the causes of anxiety are not going anywhere. For us to move into tomorrow and experience the joy of the Lord, we must first acknowledge that there are going to be things that cause anxiety in the unknown. So the answer is not for those things to go away, but God gives us hope and a promise that you can walk into tomorrow with confidence that you can overcome the anxiety. Jesus said in John 16, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Hear this. We have not been called to a natural life. Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 12, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For the life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add even a single hour of his, to the span of his life? So in the middle of all this craziness, in the middle of the reality that all the worries, whys, and whos aren't going anywhere, we have a choice. Because of what he did for us on the cross, because of the supernatural gift of the Spirit, his Spirit being poured out on us, because he offers us life and life more abundantly, we can make this choice because he has overcome the world. Somebody should be shouting a good amen right there. That is exactly what Paul is talking about right, right here in Philippians chapter 4. When he says, I know you have always been concerned about me, 
but you didn't have the chance to help me. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Because every tomorrow has the the causes of anxiety. We must make the joy decision every day. Pastor Corey, will you help us apply this to our life? During this global pandemic, we have all faced many different obstacles. And these obstacles have been challenging us in many different ways. It's created chaos in our lives and in the lives of those around us. But it is in a time like this, as Pastor Josh just mentioned, that we must choose joy. By choosing joy, that means that we will stand out as the light of the world that Jesus calls the church. You see, I believe Part of the reason it is so difficult to choose joy in a moment like this when we know it is a necessity because we don't really understand what joy is. See, joy is not the same thing as happiness. Joy is not really just an emotion or just something you feel as much as it is a decision that we get to make. See, joy is an attitude and a mindset. Choosing to rejoice at a time like this means that we change our focus from focusing on the things that are around us, the circumstances that we find ourselves in, the things happening to us, the things happening around us. And instead, we change our focus to where our help comes from. As the psalmist writes, I look to the hills to where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In other words, when we choose joy, we choose to not just get through this mess. And I promise you, church family, we will get through this mess. But we are going to thrive in the midst of this chaos. James chapter one, verses two through three says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Now I am so thankful to know that our God walks with us through the trials and gives us the ability through the power of his Holy Spirit to turn our trials into triumphs, to turn our obstacles into opportunities. Now, the key to choosing joy became very real to me just this past week as I had the privilege of teaching my son to ride his bike without training wheels for the first time. It was his idea. He came to me. uh, They were out playing in the yard, and I'm out just uh, hanging out with the kids and the dog and having some fun, and he came to me and said, Daddy, I'm ready. Let's take the training wheels off and let's ride without the training wheels. Now, like any father, I was ecstatic. I said, yes, let's do this. I, I, you know, I was looking forward to this moment and this opportunity. And so we took the training wheels off, and I could tell he was nervous and really wobbly. But he got on, and he was excited, and I began to help him holding on to the back of the bike. And I heard him say, Daddy, I hope I don't fall. And in the back of my mind, I said, you will, because it's part of riding a bike. So as he rode and wobbled his way down the road, I continued to hang on to him, and we did a couple of different, different trips up and down the road, and um, he, he did awesome, and then the time came for me to let go, 
and he pedaled and he pedaled and he was doing great and the inevitable happened. He fell. Now what I did was I swooped in as quick as I could. I picked him up and I, I did not want him to have the opportunity to just sit there and wallow in his pain and to maybe get frustrated and give up. I knew he was in some pain. I knew it kind of hurt. He was bumped up just a little bit. But I got him back on. I said, that's okay. This is part of learning. This is part of life. This is part of learning to ride your bike. Let's go again. And he fell again. And then we would do it again and again. And to the point where now he's riding like a pro. But this is what our father does to us in circumstances that overwhelm us. He swoops in through his spirit. And he gives us the opportunity to get back up and to try again and to choose joy, even in the midst of our chaos, even in the midst of our pain and suffering. See, choosing joy doesn't remove us from our issues or our problems. Choosing joy gives us peace while we live through them. See, it's not an escape hatch. Choosing joy is not an escape hatch out of this world. It's just, it's a celebration of who we are in Christ in this world, just as it is. In Philippians chapter four, Paul not only validates this way of living, but he overemphasizes it. He says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. He understands the importance of living a joy-filled life, seeing that big picture. Now, even as we venture into the unknowns of life and we face trials, Jesus said it, you're gonna have problems, you're gonna have troubles, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We follow this Jesus, the ultimate life giver, who promises to not leave us destitute or alone and abandoned in our sin, but he chooses to rescue us and give us the eternal life that far surpasses anything that this world has to offer us. Now, if you're like me, this truth has been difficult to live out in the recent weeks. Like many of you, I was laid off of my job, placed on a three-month furlough, and just in a flash, in one day, I went from full-time employment to being unemployed, and quickly becoming the teacher's aide to my wife, who is now homeschooling our kindergartner, while taking care of our six-month-old and our four-year-old. I'm pleased to announce to you, though, that I have since advanced, and I've been promoted to school principal of my house. So if I'm honest with you, it wasn't long until frustration quickly set in, discouragement began to set in. I could be transparent with you even further. I would say that as a man, I felt like I needed to be out providing for my family and not be where I was. But this is where God had me for this season. The obstacle in front of me was no present income and no real promise of a future income. The opportunity, however, was a time of reflection, a time of self-discovery, and a whole lot of family time, ready or not. I have played more games of Go Fish, Uno Attack, and Candyland than I care to admit. Mainly, though, this has been an opportunity for me to examine my faith, for me to understand why I have lacked this joy-filled perspective that Christ has called us into. It's so necessary for you and I to choose joy in a moment like this. See, I began to notice that my attitude did not match the attitude of the Apostle Paul as he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi in you can imagine you would be able to hear the clink and clang of his chains as he sits in a Roman prison cell talking about joy and the purpose of life. See, Paul had learned to put into practice this joy-filled perspective on life because he had daily habits. As we read throughout chapter four, we see these habits, and I believe you and I can turn these keys to joy into our daily habits. 
Philippians 4, 6 to 7, as we've already read. I'd like to read it again. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The very first thing we see there is to pray daily. Talking to God daily is this expression of an inward relationship that you have with your heavenly father. As a matter of fact, he tells us to call him daddy, Abba father. Beginning a conversation, preferably before you even start the day, opens up the big picture for you as you walk through your day, as you walk through your life. Paul continues in Philippians 8 through 9 and says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And that's the second daily habit that we see, is fixing our thoughts. In other words, meditate daily. Opening our day with a conversation with God, and then meditating on his words, affirming what it is that he is saying about you and what he is saying to you. I would recommend reading a psalm each day about the character of God and affirming what it is that we get to pray to God as we pray through the psalm. It was Muhammad Ali who coined the phrase, repetition of affirmation leads to belief. And he went on to say that once that belief becomes a deep conviction, that's when things really begin to Now, while that may have been true physically, it's even more true spiritually because our belief leads to faith and our faith grows and grows as we walk in a journey with Jesus Christ and faith leads to joy and we know that joy points the world to Jesus. In verse 12, Paul continues, I skip down to verse 12 and it says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So we pray daily, we meditate daily, and then we trust God daily. Letting go and letting God. Surrendering control of our lives to the King. Even the things that we seemingly can control, our attitude, our actions, our effort. I know for me, I have to surrender these things to the Holy Spirit every single day and ask the Holy Spirit to help me choose joy. Because choosing joy requires daily habits. I believe these three habits can serve you and I to choosing joy and living in joy even in the unknown, even in tomorrow land. As we take a moment now to respond to the word of God, I challenge you to allow the Holy Spirit to convict you, to lovingly convict you on your daily habits and whether or not you can step up your game and choose to inherit these habits as a part of your daily rituals. Then Pastor Josh will return to lead us in a time of prayer, but let's join in a song of worship and praise with our worship.